Let's go Tokyo with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings. Hello and welcome to Let's Go Tokyo. Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings with you. It's July 27, day four of the Olympics, and we may as well just call the Aussie athletes in the pool fish at this point absolutely dominating with the amazing gold medal in the 100-metre backstroke swim by Kaylee McEwen this morning, adding to our incredible record in the pool. It comes as another come-from-behind win. She took Canadian Kylie Massey in the last 50 metres. What do you reckon, Skeet? Extraordinary. Amazing. Another great performance. Our third gold medal at the Games. In fact, that makes it 200 medals in the pool won by Aussie females at Olympic competition, which is fantastic. And Kaylee, uh, well, we saw yesterday in Boxall the coach of Ariane Titmus create all the headlines. Well, it was the swimmer herself who, once she emerged from the water, an interview with Channel 7, dropped... The F-bomb. Such was her excitement, and uh, I think we're excusing her behaviour on this occasion. She apologised profusely. Uh, God bless her. Amazing swim. Really good swim. And bear in mind, this final of the 100 backstroke, in the build-up, there were three Olympic records in the heats and the semis. All of those Olympic record holders were on the podium at the end, when the gold and silver and bronze Amazing. landed out, which is quite extraordinary. You mentioned the Canadian, who was, uh, I guess, favourite in many respects, but Kaylee, her form in more recent times, so good that she was always a chance to win gold. She did, though, make a big decision prior to the swim meet. She dropped the 200 individual medley from her campaign to allow her to concentrate on backstroke. So it's hard. She was ranked number one in the world in that. So to forego that opportunity to concentrate solely on the backstroke was a massive gamble, shall I say, or certainly a commitment to backstroke. It's paid off. She has a gold medal and uh, and such an emotional medal for her as well because 11 months ago, she lost her father uh, to cancer, um, Sholto, and she has a tattoo written on her or foot, I think it is, uh, with regards to, I will always be with you. Um, so we saw the the excitement of the drama of Ariane's family yesterday and today just as touching but in a, in a more emotional sense I guess with uh, Kaylee getting the results, a gold medal and no doubt thinking of, of her father who wasn't there to witness it. Yeah and I think she summed it up perfectly, that release of all of that emotion after winning the gold medal so much on the line, F yeah. Yeah, that's very Australian, isn't it? You don't know how to respond to that. But, yeah, fantastic. So the swimming pool success continues. Uh, really um, impressed by what they've done so far. And uh, look, we've, Well, Emma McKeon, 100-metre butterfly bronze yesterday. So now with Emma, she came into this game with such high expectations and currently she's on track to equal the record for most medals at a Games by a female athlete. She already had the gold from the 100-metre the free freestyle. Uh, freestyle. Uh, and so that stands that record at seven medals, by the way. And if she does that, if she achieves that, she could end up with 11 Olympic medals to her name after topping the Aussie medal hall in Rio. That's extraordinary, isn't it? And that uh, shows you that our swimmers, it, it just creates so much momentum amongst the group when, when you get an early gold medal as we did with, and such spectacularly with uh, Ariane yesterday, and, and today Kaylee steps up. Uh, the pressure that she would have been under, uh, the build-up, uh, we know she, she had records next to her name heading into this in the backstroke, but to actually perform when it counted 
was terrific. So uh, back-to-back triumphs for Australia in the pool. And there were pre-Olympic predictions of maybe 10, 12 gold medals. I think we can go past a dozen. I really believe that we can do that by the conclusion of these games. And the swimming pool's always where we make a splash, so to speak. Yeah, and you know in from past Olympics, it's when things don't work out well for us in the pool, It's it, that rot sets in and you just know it's going to be a tough slog for the Aussies. That hasn't been the case so far in Japan. It's amazing to see. And so let's take a look now at the medal tally. Australia is sitting sixth at the moment. Three gold, one silver and three bronze. Uh, the USA is now in top spot with a massive eight gold so far this Olympics. Three silver and eight bronze, followed by Japan, the host nation, who were leading up until around 10.30 this morning. Uh, and then we've got China rounding out the top three. There it is. In Japan, as we mentioned yesterday, the host nation, no surprise they performed perhaps above expectations or but yeah, above what they may do if it was in another country. So the Japanese... Albeit, uh, let's be honest, there's more COVID cases in the last 24 hours than um, than is desired. In fact, record numbers, I believe. So whether the, the locals there are still going out to restaurants and living life normally uh, and thinking, well, because the Olympics are on, we can do this, I'm not sure. But that's the, the downside to what's happening over there at the moment. And fingers crossed our athletes and everyone there in a working capacity from outside of Japan is safe and sound. Yeah, well, I spoke to Seven News' Ashley Mullaney over in Tokyo this morning, and she she put it in a really good comparison. Think about how it would be in Western Australia uh, being locked off from the rest of the world during the pandemic if then we had thousands upon thousands of people flying in from around the world. People here probably wouldn't be that enthusiastic about it, but she's hopeful that the results for the host nation uh, are starting to turn that around, a lot of enthusiasm growing for the Games. Uh, but now, you know, we, we've spoken that uh, pretty much everything at the moment is all thinking about swimming. It is dominating the thought process in Australia at the moment, and we've got a pretty special guest. WA's elite athletes on the podium. Now, this man is known around Australia, and especially here in WA, for his acclaimed career not only in the pool, but out of it too. He's won Olympic medals and has three Olympic Games under his belt. Eamon Sullivan, thanks for joining us on Let's Go Tokyo. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. And now, how are you finding it, uh, watching the swimming unfolding in Tokyo? How are we doing? Uh, I think we're doing well uh, between uh, kids' bedtimes and and, and the uh, the time difference. I'm finding it hard to see every single race, but but uh, checking in with all the all the results. And I think um, I think we're really um, showing that we've actually learned a lot from the last Olympics, and we're really performing well in the finals. I think we've had a few uh, a few near misses and a few. Um, not gone to plan, but, you know, Kaylee McKeon and Ariana Titmus, especially just executing their race plans really well under pressure and, and, and living up to the hype. And I think that's the, the biggest thing um, the teams um, struggle with in previous years is living up to expectations. Uh, Eamon, a two-time Olympian yourself, and you know what it's like to be part of the build-up and, and getting early momentum into uh, Olympics, uh, the, the relay team, got us away to a great start. How much does that filter through to the rest of the squad when you, you're looking to, to mount the podium as often as possible? It definitely builds uh, excitement and also uh, adrenaline, I think, seeing your teammates do well. I remember in 2008, and you know, I was, I was, I'm usually further down the track, um, definitely not on the first day, and when the guys win gold medals on the first day and, and you just see how well people perform, it really gives you that um, yeah, that kind of adrenaline surge that you just can't wait to get out there and, and almost too excited. Um, but it definitely helps the team get off to a great start and, and that, that vibe and the, the camaraderie definitely um, 
you know you, you feel each other you congratulate each other and and it, um it just builds that that team atmosphere that you especially they'll be looking for in tokyo considering there's no um no supporters and people in the stage yeah, well, let's talk about that because you're know, talking about feeding off that energy. When you're walking out into a stadium full of people, you're taking your spot on the blocks, and then during the race itself, are you even aware of the crowds or are you just so laser-focused on your own performance? Uh, me personally, <coughs> I was always quite laser-focused. Um, you know, the, the main thing I notice is your team, and I think that's probably the big one, the fact that we can actually have, obviously, your teammates in the stands. There's enough noise and you know, it, 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 I, for me personally, it would be enough. I, you don't, you're not there to, to, to impress the fans. You're there to impress yourself and to, and to, to break your personal best. It's not about anyone else except for yourself. So I think the main thing is that they're there and they're focused, but having the support of your teammates in the stands is, is, uh, is definitely what you need when you're walking out. I think outside of that, that's, um, you know, it's a shame there isn't the spectators there to, to, you know, see your family after your race. And I think that's, that's a byproduct of, of, you know, having a good race, but I think um, you know the welcome home celebrations are just going to be bigger than, than they usually are. I sold you short, I reckon, Eamon, with one Olympics. Uh, you might have been to three instead of two, so I, I've given you four <laughs> years less than you should have, my friend. I apologise about that. Uh, but you mentioned the stands and the support lacking, but what about for Ariane yesterday with uh, Dean Boxall? Um, we just loved it from an outsider's point of view, the coach going uh, berserk and the emotions and the energy that he possessed. Um, what did you make of it? I thought it was awesome as well. I think um, it's great to have coaches with that much enthusiasm. You can just tell how much he cares about the success of his swimmers and how invested he is. And I think that's what a lot of people don't see in, in swimming is, is uh, the support network we do have as swimmers. You know, It's not just coaches, it's physios, massage therapists and you know, um, biomechanists and team staff. There's so many, so much work that goes into a, an athlete's performance. It's not just about their training and, and what they do. So I think it's great, great to see, and you know, hopefully gives a lot of appreciation for how hard these coaches do work and and what they've had to go through to get their their start, um, not staff, their uh, their swimmers there as well. Mm. And talking about, you know, when you, your emotions just boil over, we saw today after Kaylee McEwen won her gold medal in the post-swim interview, she dropped an F-bomb. Is that just how it is? <laughs> like that, that elation of winning an Olympic medal, does it just get the better of you? Uh, yeah, I think especially when you surpass your expectations or, you know, especially with going in there as the world record holder, I, I, I believe it would be a, a massive relief for her. I think that's probably anyone's worst nightmare. And unfortunately, something I lived through is is, is being uh, being the favourite and, and pulling up just short and, and the disappointment you feel. So I think I think the team's probably well aware of that heading in. And that's probably something they've worked on, you know, after uh, after Rio and London as well as how to live up to their expectations. So I think, you know, as much excitement there would be, there'd also be a huge factor of relief. And I think when you, you know, let out a sigh of relief, sometimes the F-bomb might slip through. But, you know, I think as I think as athletes as well, you've, you know, it's probably not great for the younger listeners and that are watching the broadcast. But at the same time, having some personality and people understanding we're humans and not robots, I think, I think quite often, you know, in interviews, you have to be proper and, you know, be yourself and you're taught to answer the right way. And, you know, the fact that it slips through, I think it just shows how human they are and then, you know, emotions, you know, are a big part of it, not just machines doing a doing a race for the pleasure of others. It's, it's a real personal thing. We're speaking to former Olympic star Eamon Sullivan on Let's Go Tokyo as we roll through the Tokyo Games. You talk about expectation and, and what it meant and you being the favourite, Eamon, go back to 2008, the 50 metres freestyle. You've clocked 21.56, uh, the fastest in history at that stage at the New South Wales Open Championships. Um, did it 
weigh on your shoulders going forward? Because obviously that, that mark got dropped um, pretty quickly afterwards. But did, did that pressure or did that expectation, did that weigh on you? And obviously, can you see that happening with, with athletes in the next week or so in the pool? Uh, <clears throat> I think uh, for myself at the time leading in, it didn't. I think it wasn't until I got there and I had a, a, a bad performance in the 100 um, and just wasn't able to recover mentally from from my expectations um, really is what, what probably rocked me. But I think if anything, it's, yeah, it's have, if, you, if you've got multiple races and you're, you're heading in as a favourite and you don't perform, I think that's when it can get really, really tough. I think um, the lead-up is exciting. You know, if anything, it's the, the expectations of ourselves that, that let us down, um, uh, not others, but... Um, I think if anything, it builds excitement. It builds probably nervous energy, and I think if you're able to deal with that and use it as a positive, it, it's it's okay. But if if you're getting pumped up too much and you're not a confident person, it, it could be uh, could be the opposite. So it really depends on the personality. And after watching Ariana Titmus yesterday, a lot of people spoke about you know the strategy that she had in the race. She timed her run perfectly. Uh, I think a lot of us lay people would be thinking you jump in the pool and swim as fast as you can. How much strategy goes into some of these races? I think a lot more than, than it looks like, especially when you've got two of the world's best that are, you know, neck and neck. Um, and I think what I saw from that race was Ledecky has never had anyone challenge her in the past couple of years. She's always been four or five seconds in front. And all of a sudden, she's had to adjust her race plan to someone that can swim as fast as her. So usually Ledecky is so far in front, she, it doesn't matter what's happening in the last hundred. She can just, you know, cruise the finish line. But, you know, it, it showed that Ledecky tried to get out far enough in front because she knew that um, Ariane was a strong finisher and Ariane's race plan was really being in a position that she knew she, she, could, she could strike in that last 100. So I think they were, they were both doing the best race plan for themselves um, and Ariane, um, yeah, Ariane just was in the right position to, to strike on that last 100 and just a gutsy performance. I think when you're in front, it's a lot harder to stay in front when someone's gaining on you. The lactic acid seems 10 times you know, what it usually is, and you see them gaining and you're trying harder, and that's usually when your stroke actually deteriorates um, and you're not as efficient in the water. So it really does put the pressure on. It's a really strong asset to have as a swimmer is being able to swim at the top of people. And Ariane admitted in the last 50, she didn't know whether she was in front or not, maybe because of uh, which lane she was in and which side she was breathing, which is not a huge surprise. And even going back to, to you, Eamon, with the, the 50-metre dash, whether you take one or two breaths, I'm not sure, but there'd be many times you'd hit the wall and think, no idea. Uh, zero breaths. <laughs> Funny zero breaths. So yeah, really, really I'll give you no one. Idea. No idea what you're seeing. But um, if you're in the centre of the pool, you kind of have a, enough peripheral vision. You can kind of see, you know, around two lanes either side. But people in lane one and lane eight, you'd have no idea. So, yeah, Kaylee, uh, um, not Kaylee, sorry, Ariane was, was breathing to the opposite side. But when she puts her head down in between breaths, she would have been able to see her out the corner of her eye. But because of how close they were, you don't know how, how long their arms are and whether they're neck and neck to you or whether they're just behind or just in front. So it really, um, if anything, probably served her better because she just didn't know and just and went for, went for um, hell for leather. So, yeah, it's, uh, goggles are changing all the time, but, you know, you can see a little bit side to side. And do you see any difference now in how we look at our swimmers? Like you look back at your era and the era just before yours, you know, the Kieran Perkins and uh, Susie O'Neill's. Like we've always put our swimmers up on a pedestal. Do you think that is is still the case? Is it, do they still hold this like really, I guess, golden position in how we look at our national sporting people? I think every four years the swimmers definitely get a, a better look in than, than the year to year. And, true, true. And that, just, and that just comes down to marketing. You know, we're, we're not racing every 
every weekend like the AFL is, is playing. And, you know, it really comes down to, to marketability and, and sponsorship dollars. So, you know, the Olympics, you know, we perform quite well and bang for buck, uh, we deliver quite a, a good amount of golds. And who, who doesn't love jumping on a bandwagon? That's just, <laughs> that's just how it is. Um, you know, the hard part is trying to sustain that momentum through the years, you know, and keep people excited in the sport. So I think that's, um, you know, swimming is a great sport, not just for, for how well we perform, but, you know, it teaches you a lot of life lessons and, um, you know, in and out of the pool. And, uh, yeah, the biggest challenge for swimming is keeping keeping people in the sport when there's more attractive offers um, around town, especially with AFLW and um, AFL and other sports that just have um, more momentum to, to keep people excited. But, you know, I think that's what's exciting about the Olympics is it really reignites people's passion for, you know, they might be, you know, in their own heads at the moment, deciding whether they're going to stay in or out of a sport and watching someone that's come up, you know, as an Australian and performing well in the Olympics is just gives you that, that passion to, to stick with it and, and reignites that flame. So it really is, it's a shame it had to be five years, not four, but um, it come, doesn't come around soon enough, the Olympic spirit and, and what it brings to young athletes. So I think it's uh, exciting and, you know, I think swimmers are, are more than happy. They don't do it for recognition week in, week out. I think that's what makes them quite a resilient uh, person and, and more, uh, even more of a, an astounding achievement, the fact that they have to wait every four years to, to show how good they are. I think Australians, by the way, Eamon and Ben, they, they love the fact that apart from the fact that if it's success or whatever they're doing, the swimmers hold themselves really well. They're trained well media-wise, apart from maybe Kayleigh's uh, hiccup today. <laughs> but by and large, so well-respected, humble, I, I think, to be fair. And team spirit as well, right? Yeah, you see them cheering each other on in a way that I think all Australians identify with. So, yeah, all that comes into play, I think, Eamon, with regards to the respect that we hold for, for athletes like yourself and the way the work you do and have done to get to that point. By the way, where are your medals, just out of interest? Is it tucked away or do you just bring them out for the kids who are probably a bit young to to grasp exactly what dad did all those years ago yeah a little a little bit too young at the moment i think they're in a a box somewhere in one of my one of the spare rooms i think so um I usually pull them out yeah olympic years and uh, this year's just been busy with the kids that haven't done too much stuff and obviously with covid restrictions and all the things happening there's been less less and less um events held unfortunately in the lead up to it but um yeah they're all they're tucked away and uh i look forward to to showing the kids uh, at some point um when they when they can actually understand but i actually am going into my my niece's show and tell next week oh um we're, so i'm gonna have to find find the medals to take <laughs> in with me and um so that'll be a bit of fun Oh, your niece is pretty lucky. Her classmates will flip their lids. I tell you, if, if I had an Olympic medal and I also had a, a, a fantastic restaurant like you in Bibb and Tucker, they would be pride of place. You wouldn't be able to walk into that restaurant without banging your head on the medals. Yeah, that's a difference between you and Eamon. You're, you're a big head and he's a, a humble, down to earth former athlete. That's I'd, have, a I'd have the Speedos framed up on the wall. I'd have the whole thing. It'd be a shrine. <laughs> oh, I've got a few things framed on the wall, but keep them out of sight and, you know, in the little in the office so it kinda of reminds me and sometimes it's it's good to remember and other times, yeah, I certainly um I certainly miss it. It was a lot in a way, it was a lot easier. I got to nap during the day and now I've uh, got my kids napping while I'm at work. So it kinda of reminds you how good life used to be when you when you look back on your past as as being a swimmer as hard as it was with the training. The uh, the lifestyle was was quite fun in between. So I think that's probably what I miss the most. And do you still swim for for recreation, for fitness at all? No, I was a sprinter. We hate swimming. Yeah. Sprinters do as little effort as possible. You know, we're in and out as quick as we can be. So fitness is a hard one if you're if you're a sprinter and a, and a swimmer. But uh, I do in the summertime. You know, when it's nice to get up in the morning and go with a few uh, ex swimmers and and uh, go out for a brekkie afterwards. And we usually do the port to pub 
swim. Um, so we couldn't do maybe a, a four-week lead-up into that one, which definitely isn't enough. But, uh, yeah, socially every now and then, try a little bit of social water polo, just try to keep more active and, and have fun these days as opposed to making a chore. Yeah, well, now I'm going to put you on the spot. How do you think the Aussie swim team will go? And how do you reckon uh, Australia will go? How many medals will we win in Tokyo? Oh, I have no idea. I think um, the swim teams still have quite a few to go, and I think some really exciting ones. Obviously, Carl Charm is in the 100 free, and there's, there's just been four or five guys that have come out of the woodwork, you know, a 16-year-old going 47-3 which is you know, one of I think, Kyle's best. And um, uh, Caleb Dresser from the US went 47-2 in the leadoff. There's a, a Frenchman who went 47-4 in the leadoff in the relay. So there's, it's going to be the fastest hunter free final in history, um, which is pretty exciting. Um, obviously, we've still got Ariane in the 200 free. So I think there's probably another you know, two to three to four potential gold medals individually, as well as the, uh, the girls 4 by one IM and you know, so pretty excited for the, you know, I'm pretty swim team specific. I, I have no idea about medal counts for other other sports, unfortunately. Um, but I think, you know, as a game as a whole, I think we've been lucky in Australia to have probably less restrictions than some countries. So hopefully that serves us well and we, we get a good medal count at the end. Mm. Swimming legend Eamon Sullivan, so great to speak to you today. Thanks for joining us on Let's Go Tokyo. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Aussies in action. Well, when we're talking Aussies in action, let's talk about the Kookaburras, gold medal favourites, and they're certainly living up to it. I did say to you yesterday or the day before that they will go through this competition undefeated, which is a little bit a little bit Cocky. bold of me. Uh, but I say that with a degree of confidence, and they've had another successful outing, a convincing 5-2 win over Argentina this morning. So They, they were the gold medalists in Rio, Argentina. Yeah, exactly. Them up. And bear in mind, the Australians... Uh, not so much success in Rio, so they are looking to jump back on the horse, but they are playing really good hockey under Colin Batch, and I'm confident they can, well, top their pool and then go from there and hopefully have some success. Of course, good news in the water polo as well. Yeah, the Aussies beat the Netherlands, which is good. Keep racking up those wins. Uh, and wild weather, though, is impacting. We heard uh, the, the triathlon, surfing, rowing, all of these events have been uh, impacted in surfing. It's been a good thing. It's been a, The only positive has been the surfers go, yeah, let's get out there. Whereas, obviously, the archery and the rowing are uh, suspended or cancelled for the time being. Uh, earthquake associated with this uh, weather as well. So there's a, a bit playing out in Tokyo at the present time. So um, I'm not sure how seriously they take they, those things over there. They're pretty used to it. <laughs> they, they have in Tokyo. They have hundreds of micro earthquakes every year. Don't even don't even notice them. Maybe the you know the things on the shelves in the convenience stores rattle a little bit. That's about it. So was Carol King once saying, "I feel the earth move <laughs> under my feet." Just a regular occurrence. It's a regular occurrence in Tokyo. Uh, popular Aussie surfer Owen Wright uh, was uh, he lost to a Brazilian Italo Ferreira in the semi, but he'll be surfing for bronze later today against another Brazilian, uh, Gabriel Medina. Funky Cole, as yeah. I like to call him, and let's hope that uh, the Aussies can get... Of course, Sally Fitzgibbons in action. Jess Fox, not far away. Uh, let's hope our uh, superstar... She's won 10 World Championship medals. She's an absolute star, but just the silver and the bronze so far to show for it at Olympic level. Our fingers are crossed for her. And, of course, we've got team sports coming up this afternoon and this evening. Yeah, Rugby Sevens. Australia started well against New Zealand. They squandered their opening first-half lead of 12 to, to nothing, which is a great start against uh, the Kiwis, uh, only to be beaten 14-12. Uh, the Kiwis looked pretty good yesterday. I was watching them in action. Uh, they're a slick unit, that's for sure. Uh, and so now that result left Australia third in their pool uh, 
uh, scraping into medal contention as one of two lucky losers in Tokyo, thanks to a, a, a face-saving 42-5 defeat of South Korea on Monday that boosted their points differential. So they'll get a chance to compete for bronze. Absolutely. Uh, later today, of course, uh, the Matildas in action. Looking forward to seeing how they go. Got the USA, I think, in their sights. And the Opals, minus Liz Cambage. Their first match at the Olympics, I reckon they'll go okay. I think having Liz out of the system, if she has been a disruptive uh, element, will only help the culture there. And of course, she's uh, stepped down because of mental health reasons, so we respect that. But I just think uh, everyone on the same page makes a big difference. Do have to point out a couple of quick points. Yeah. And we talk about age at the Olympics. We've talked about a 66-year-old equestrian rider from Australia. Well, we know that uh, in table tennis, we have a 48-year-old, Yan. Fang Lei, she's the number one in Australia, 48th ranked player in the world, Chinese-born. She is playing for a spot in the round of 16, so that is great news, and we're keeping an eye on her progress, as we are, and great to note in street skateboarding, a 13-year-old Japanese star has emerged. Yeah, well, let's talk about about, uh, some people other than Australians at the Olympics. Tokyo's top moments. Well, I know you're a big fan of the skateboarding, and in the women's <laughs> street final yesterday, 13-year-old Japanese competitor Mamiji Nishia uh, made, uh, well, she was part of Olympic history. She wasn't the youngest ever to win a medal at the Olympics, but she was part of the youngest podium in Olympic history. Listen to this. So she was 13. Uh, the the girl who came second uh, was 13 as well, I think. And then the bronze medalist was a 16-year-old. Two 13s and a 16. Surely you should have to be able to drive or vote to win <laughs> an, a medal at the Olympics. <laughs> and get, and the, 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 the competitor who came fourth was from America. She was 34. There you go. Let's talk about a differential. Yeah, she could have been old enough to be their mums. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, didn't know that one, but yeah, skateboarding, it's new. It's creating a bit of a buzz, and it's something that uh, I think is attracting viewers. With yeah, uh, it's, I liked it. It's quirkiness. I think it's good. I think it's interesting. Certainly, uh, some big spills, that's for sure. Uh, and now, uh, also at the Olympics yesterday uh, and the last 24 hours, we've seen the USA win gold in the men's 4x100 freestyle relay. It's one of the, the blue medal events yesterday, and one of the other blue medal events is, of course, the gymnastics. Uh, and I, I don't know if you saw this. You watched the men's all-round yesterday? Did not see it, no. So that was on last night, and it went down to the wire. It was a really close contest between uh, the uh, Russian Olympic Committee, uh, the host nation, Japan, and China. Those three were duking it out the whole way through. And we're talking about, it came down to, uh, you know, point two of a tenth uh, in between first and third and it alternated all night and in the end Russia took home the gold and there were tears. Uh, it was based on the final floor routine, almost flawless by Nikita Nagorny and the, it's int- he's such an interesting character. Like three months ago, blew out his Achilles which, you know, if you know anything about sport In footy parlance, that's... Rub you out for a year. Well, it's three to six months just recovering. Yeah. Because well, he had to have undergo surgery, and so there's like a three-month recovery period from surgery, and then you've got rehab. Like, it's a miracle that he was able to even be at these Olympics, let alone compete at a gold medal level. Must have been a partial tear. I mean, uh, yeah. maybe I'm the, the skeptic's coming out of me, but to, to recover he couldn't from have been, that. He couldn't have fully blown his Achilles, and it's just not possible. No, and also competing in that type of at that, in that It was so much stress on those, on, on those ligaments. Uh, amazing, really. Uh, you know, of course, you know, Russia. They're, they're not allowed to compete as Russia because of uh, easy you know, thunder. Doping, doping I, know we, I know we're heading with this, Benny. I'm not going to let you go down that path, but uh, let me just change tack a bit. And sad news for Dutch athlete Finn Follinge, 
uh, Olympic dream is over after the young rower tested positive for COVID-19 on Friday after competing in the men's single skulls race. So we're going to see more stories like this, aren't we, through the but course of the next But you have to think that once they're all in there in the athletes' village, if they're all doing the right thing and they're all being tested, just like we do in Australia with a lockdown, eventually these COVID cases disappear. Yes, but... We're if not, they're doing the right thing. Well, that's the question. And look, we're not sure. It could totally be... Um, an innocent mistake or, or just a uh, wrong place, wrong well, time. Well, two of his team also tested positive, so it's probably going around. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so this is because they're all supposed to stay separate, and this is a great example of why you should. So if the Netherlands have COVID going around in their Olympic team, just leave it to them. Like, seal them off, uh, and then, you know, that could help us with the hockey, could help us in a number of sports uh, if that spreads, which you don't want to see, of course, but, you know, that's – I guess that's the the thing that's going to be a theme in this Olympics. People who do the right thing are going to get the benefits. And sometimes you're just going to be unlucky with uh, transmission. But you're right, there's going to be athletes affected. I think we'd be naive to think that isn't going to be the case. But the good thing about the Olympics, Ben, is that it's not just the athletes winning gold or silver or competing or personal best. Sometimes it's about completing a commitment, not just to your sport, but to each other. Yeah, exactly. There was one athlete, uh, so of all the of the athletes who won gold, silver and bronze, one won diamond when uh, her... We fi- hope. Her, yeah, yeah, well, she said yes, I believe. So the Argentinian fencer Maria Belen Perez Maurice, she lost out on an Olympic medal, probably a pretty sad moment for her. She was giving her post-match press conference and then behind her, uh, uh, her longtime coach and partner, Lucas Guillermo Sosado, has... Uh, appeared on camera holding up a sign uh, that said, will you marry me? She was completely oblivious to this while she was giving her interview. And it was actually the press interviewing her that said, oh, turn around. There's something behind you. She's turned around, clocked this proposal uh, and, you know, the waterworks kicked off. Hilarious because you know what? About 11 years earlier in 2010, Sosado, with his partner, the Argentinian fencer, Maria, tried a similar stunt at the World Championships in Paris. But back then... She replied, is this a joke or what? Uh, and then it took 11 years for this poor coach to get back. <laughs> to get the courage get to do the it courage, again. the gumption to say, you know what, I've been knocked back once. 11 years later, seriously, my man, give it away. If you're not going to get the response uh, after one go, he's gone 11 years later. Oh, presuming it's his second, he hasn't had, had three or four at it, but uh, well done. He was so traumatised. <laughs> or maybe maybe he thought, you know, this is this is my best chance here in front of the world. She's not going to say no and embarrass me. Uh, I Can't like happen. Guilt, but, guilt trip. Yeah, but he, he has won the yes and she's uh, said yeah. yes. That's outstanding. And, so, and better, that, better that he did it uh, after her losing a gold medal because if she'd won a gold and then he was trying to sort of steal her limelight, I reckon she'd, she'd get the... Uh, the sword, the fencing sword, and, <laughs> epa, epa. and brush him away. And brush yeah. him away. Yeah, now that's a nice touching moment. I'm sure we'll see plenty of those over the next week and a half. Yeah, yeah, from from the ecstasy to, I guess, absolute heartache for BMX Olympic gold medal hopeful Dutch rider Nick Kiman as well. He's been wiped out of the competition uh, in training by an official who walked out on the BMX track and he's injured his knee. He flipped over the hangers. Uh, you can see you can see the vision on, uh, on Perth now and I'll tell you, it is it's it's heart stopping, heartbreaking. Yes, I did see that on Perth now, and uh, it's something I used to ride a BMX just as a kid. Yeah, I can I can yeah. totally see that. <laughs> <laughs> Not successfully so, but the BMX riders and don't ever doubt their courage. You think that they're uh, 
Just amateurs, well, they've got uh, courage in spades. Uh, but so much happening, left, right and centre. Yeah, well, let's recap some of it. Our time here is rapidly running out. So let's let, let the people know what they can look forward to. There is so much coming up over the next 24 hours. Tonight, uh, the swimming finals, two Aussies in the 200-metre Aussie freestyle final. Our gold medalist, Ariane Titmus, of course, and Maddie Wilson, they'll be up against Katie Ledecky. Can't wait for that. That's the second of three showdowns. So that's going to be uh, the semis tomorrow, the final between those two. Wouldn't it be great if we got another yeah. sort of pound-for-pound, uh, stroke-for-stroke type Oh, that scenario. was a magic, magic. It's, uh, can't wait for that. Uh, we talked about the women's kayak final, uh, the canoe slalom at uh, 1 o'clock our time, which is fast approaching. Uh, Jess Fox paddles for gold in the uh, women's kayak. Semi-finals, by the way, begin at, at 1 in the final from 3.15. Matildas and the USA from 4 o'clock our time. Bear in mind, we beat New Zealand first up, but were rolled by Sweden, and we currently sit third in our group. The Americans, we know how good they are. They did lose to Sweden, second in their group. But bear in mind, the top two advance automatically, but two third-place teams will also make it through depending on their records. Yeah, we're, and we're scoring goals thanks to Sam Kerr, so that could hold us in good stead. And then in the women's basketball, the Opals open their account against Belgium at 20 past four this afternoon. We've seen the Boomers already notch a win to open these games. Now it's Australia's women's turn. Uh, they start their campaign against Belgium, as we mentioned earlier, uh, without Liz Cambage. So we'll see how that goes to team chemistry. And then tomorrow, we've got a lot of Aussies in action as well. Yeah, basketball, we've got men's... Uh, the Boomers against Italy, uh, beach volleyball, boxing, cycling, road racing, a men's football, the Oli Roos up against Egypt. That's at five o'clock. And then, of course, the hockey. I mentioned the Kookaburras in red-hot form. They've got another challenge tomorrow against the host nation. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating to see. I would expect them to win, to be honest with you, quite comfortably. Uh, and then in the women's, the hockey Roos taking on New Zealand uh, at, at 8.15 tomorrow night. And then we've got also judo, rowing, sailing, shooting, swimming's finals. Like, it's the Olympics. There is something for everybody. A lot to look forward to. Yeah, can't wait for it, and let's hope the medal tally for Australia continues to grow. We are certainly, as I say, fighting above our weight at the moment when it comes to the table. And it's great to see. The last couple of Olympics, maybe we haven't, but uh, this year, I'm feeling really good about it. So you should. Keep it coming. Keep the medals coming. Bronze, silver, and many gold. I'm Ben O'Shea with Mark Reddings. Good to have your company for Lexco Tokyo. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the action, both in the sport and outside. You can find the podcast wherever you normally get them. You've been listening to Let's Go Tokyo by The West Live with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings.